You're listening to High Shelf Gaming. In this episode, Rich and I talk about my experiences at PAX Unplugged, which is a pretty new convention. This year was its third year up in Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia. Really fun convention, surprised me in a lot of ways. We start off talking about the convention itself, kind of what makes it different, and then we get into some of the games I played, and we kind of wander into some random territories around Facebook groups and that kind of thing. Always love reviewing conventions, and without further ado, let's get started. High Shelf Gaming is a podcast where David and Rich discuss tabletop gaming, everything from board games and role-playing games to gaming conventions. They provide reviews, strategies, tips, and house rules to enhance your gaming and convention-going experience. Hey everyone, David here with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I am joined by the audible Rich. It's great to be here, Dave. I'm really glad you're having me on the show. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's going to be good tonight. We're going to talk about... Why, why, why is it the one time I give you a compliment about your clear diction, you begin to swallow your lips and tongue as you speak? We're going to talk all night about Pecks Unplugged. I it's like Boomhauer. Boomhauer. From freaking King of the Hill. I, I love my propane, Dave. Propane, Jimmy. The future of everything is propane. I need to. Yes, King of the Hill, bro. You got mm-hmm. my Boomhauser. I was right. trying to. I was trying to like encapsulate Boomhauser for my non-audible. It was either I went there or I was going to be like, "Thank you for listening to Waiting for Pairing," <laughs> like Audible books. It was either yep. one or the other. Yep. But I, I'm glad you call me audible because half the time, so I wonder if I'm really coming across well. And then I listen to episodes and I go, hey, I, I actually sounded okay. Because most of the time I'm worried how I come across. and In the parts that I keep. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, well, I don't worry about how I'm coming across. I'm worried about how my voice verbally comes across. Oh, because yeah. No, no. You're I just come across like a train wreck. And I hope everybody knows this is the hot mess express. <laughs> and we just have a good time. Indeed, indeed. Oh man. Okay. So today, Trains. Uh, with talking Take about packs unplugged, I this is the first gaming con that I've been to in recent memory that you weren't at. Speaking of like us and you being Hot Mess Express and us as I a know. duo, I went to this one with, as a, as a solo rider. From a from an HSG duo perspective. Now I had backup. Shara and Kelly were there with me, and we had a blasty blast together. And we're gonna get into all that stuff. But dude, it's kind of sad that I couldn't, you know, go to this con with you. I know it's not often. It's only been the board game geek con down here that I've gone solo, and I've had my fill in with Ryan. You yeah. know what I mean? And Daniel Sheed. Those yeah. guys have shown up many times. Shed. And so, is it Sheed or Shed? It's Shed, Daniel Are Shed. you sure? You told me his name was Sheed for like 15 years. <laughs> and then I was wrong for all of those years. And we have since learned it's Shed. <laughs> I know it's Shed. I was just teasing. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And then, uh, well, you do Origins, and I have yet to make it out to Origins. But Origins is you and your crew, man. And you that's guys just, get there. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's been OG for like 20 years, man. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. I, Ryan and I worked together, and it was like, hey, dude, I do this thing. Yeah. And I was like, I had to work travel, and I was like, I'm going to make a triangle fair. And um, I went out there, and then that's when the heroin started, bro. Yeah. yeah. So, dude, um, speaking of- How was it of, being solo without me? Sp- so, as far as conventions go, PAX Unplugged, if, if Origins is heroin- PAX is like Molly. I don't know, man. It was crazy fun. Not that I'm endorsing drug use in any way. I'm just saying PAX Unplugged was a unique beast when it came to tabletop gaming. And I really, I love it. Yeah, I kind of went to it thinking, I don't get this. It just didn't connect with me because it wasn't like Gen Con. It wasn't like Origins. It wasn't like... Really? All these other conventions we've talked about. 
It's a completely different beast, and I get it now. I talked to some people, and they clued me in onto the mechanation, the ways that, that PAX came together and the, the ethos of PAX. And I was like, I'm dude, I'm converted. I love PAX Unplugged, and I'm going to go back as often as I possibly can because it was such it's a great time. It's next year, November 20th, I think it was, because I was looking at the calendar because, you know, I want to go. Yeah. Right? I want to yeah. show up when you're there. Yeah. So I was looking at the calendar for next year. Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Um, I know that it, it's at the same time as something else, some other convention. Not as cool. Yeah, I am going to be going to PAX because um, holy smokes. PAX is run by the, or created, originally created by the guys who do Penny Arcade, the webcomic, right? Yes. And I love Penny Arcade. You probably love Penny Arcade. Yes. Penny Arcade is amazing. Who doesn't love Penny Arcade? Yeah, people who haven't seen it yet, really. I mean, it's such a great webcomic. And they started a a video gaming convention, and it's grown and blown up so much. And tabletop gaming has always been like this little thing at PAX conventions. And, you know, it's case in point, you and I are helping to host along with Scott, or Zorn, as he's known in all of our role-playing games, the three of us are helping to host PAX South and right. their tabletop gaming area, specifically role-playing, which is awesome. I'm so glad that that came together, and Scott is awesome for hooking all that up and really doing the lion's share of the grunt work. So thank you, Scott. PAX South is going to be awesome this year in 2020. It's going to be great in future years because we're going to be bringing it to PAX South. And PAX South has like six role-playing tables for this area that Scott manages. PAX Unplugged has like six ballrooms of role-playing tables. It's Are you kidding? Giant. It was that big of a difference? Dude, it's okay. PAX Unplugged is in its third year. It was huge. I, I would be shocked if the number of attendees was under 10,000. It was Holy a lot of people. Holy smokes. It's a completely different gig because the way PAX Unplugged works is it follows the ethos of the other PAX conventions. That is to say, when you buy your ticket to PAX, you get everything. There's no, you buy your badge and then you pay for the games and events you want to play. And then you pay for the special parties you want to go to. And you pay for special treatment. Nope. You just buy a ticket. And once you're once you're in the theme park of PAX Unplugged, you have total access to all the rides at PAX Unplugged. Wow. And I get it. It's, you know, they're small enough that they can still support that because they're not at like 70 something thousand. But they are a very young gamer focused convention because you know younger gamers that are still in high school or college if this is their convention that they go to they probably don't have the funds for a bunch of nickel and diming you know they probably don't have the funds no to pay micro transactions baby right yeah exactly like they're not spending a hundred and something bucks for the badge and two dollars for every couple of hours of oh, game time if if two dollars right <laughs> yeah if, yeah if exactly. two dollars exactly exactly i think that what what we're what we're looking at is a completely different way for conventions to work and dude i had a great time okay. i had so much fun i've got to ask doing a everything. question I'm, I'm i'm blowing yeah. some holes true dungeons there they have to be their own ticketing system Yes, so True Dungeon is at PAX South, <gasps> not Unplugged. They're right? not so at, they're at PAX Unplugged. Correct. And also, there are some exceptions made for, like, if you get something out of the deal, right? So, like, if you were going to host a Magic tournament where at the end of the tournament, the players walked away with, like, a deck or a, or a booster pack or something like that, you can charge for the cost of the booster pack. Right. And so I imagine that True Dungeon has it worked out that they get to charge for the tokens they give you when you go on your True Dungeon run. And that pays for your ticket. Right. That justifies the ticket cost, because I, I actually don't know 
specifically to say that, but I do know traditionally PAX tries very hard to make every event free. If it's not free, it's because the people who play in that event or attend that event are walking away with real material value, not like gimme throwaway cards that are, you know, foil and beautiful. No, they're coming away with a tournament legal deck or a thing that they can use in future events, you know, when they're playing at home with their friends or what have you, like they're getting real goods then you can charge for the event. So if you're running a tournament, you can't charge for that tournament unless you're also including some something that is of real value to uh to gamers. Wow. Yeah. That is very interesting. So that is a totally different kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those things that like I I didn't understand it when I first kind of registered for PAX. And they do this funky thing where they release the schedule and I looked at the schedule on their website because that's what I'm used to for Gen Con and Origins and all that stuff. And that shows you the schedule, but that really doesn't allow you to book any of the events you're interested in. Here's how you book for events. You download the PAX app. And then the PAX app covers all of the PAX conventions in case you're going to multiple conventions. Mm. So in the app, you tell it, I'm going to PAX Unplugged or whatever convention, download the schedule to the app. And on your phone, you go through the schedule and there you register for events. And this is how PAX learns that this event is very popular and this other event is not popular. We better make sure that the popular event has enough seating for the people who have registered for the event. Wow. And um, Bruce Vogue from formerly of North Star Games, he's the one that clued me in on all this stuff. And he has such a great take on it. We got to interview him, or I got to interview Bruce Vogue. We're going to release that interview once you and I get a chance to go through it and right. edit it and all that kind of stuff. But he really broke all this down for me, and it's amazing because he runs a big tournament there every year, and they say, Bruce, your tournament got 80 people registered, so we're going to make sure you have 80 seats for your tournament. Now, some people don't show up, Right. Right. That's always the right. thing is like people right. don't show up. So it sucks. And he's like, and the way they do it is some people don't show up. Other people have now wish listed or, or have asked to go to the event and they can just show up. And as long as those seats are available, they can get in. So it's kind of this interesting deal where because everything's free, you don't secure your seat with a couple of dollars. You just say, I want the seat and you get the seat. Wow. And then later on, they decide, okay, this event is maxed out because that's all the GMs can handle or this event is maxed out because that's how big the room is. Um, But either way, we're making sure that at least six people get to play in this game or at least 80 people get to attend this panel. And if somebody's not there, we know that we can fill that spot with someone who flagged interest in this thing. So- it's really interesting. They've done a lot of work to make it possible logistically for everything to be free and still get butts in seats, right? Because that's the, the other thing is you don't want to run an event and nobody show up. I, You know, that is the worst thing that can happen is you're running an event and no one shows up, especially when everything else at the convention fills up. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully that does not happen to anybody at PAX Unplugged or PAX South. Right. Right, so it was really interesting. I don't know that the role-playing events at PAX South are in the PAX app. They are not. I asked Zorn about, or, or Scott, I asked Zorn about that, Scott. Monday, I think it was, as we were doing a little bit of a press junket time. Mm. Because I have obviously gotten the PAX South app downloaded. I didn't think the RPG stuff was in there, and he says, no, we're not. Oh. So the RPG is still growing in that sense, but I did get from him. It is kind of like, hey, here's the game. People are going to walk up and sign up, unlike Gen Con, where people are purchasing in advance. Right, right. Yeah, so it's it's a different vibe. PAX Unplugged is still very young, 
It's only in its third year. It's doubled from year two to year three. I, I still don't know the numbers. I just know that it doubled. The other thing about PAX Unplugged is that it's in Philadelphia, which is a great place to have a convention the size of PAX Unplugged. That convention center in Philadelphia cannot handle the size of like a Gen Con or maybe even an Origins, but it sure as heck handled packs unplugged super well there are so many amenities so many eateries so many grocery stores right there immediately around the convention center it was like crazy easy to go and get amazing ramen and really good uh, philly cheesesteaks and all of the great food that's downtown it's all right there super accessible so just the logistics of the show was really nice for me that is amazing. You know, it's, you know, that is, I'm about to find out with PAX South. I have been down to the convention center in San Antonio for work related issues. Um, and most of the restaurants that I remember are more like walk in dining restaurants. You're telling me you were able to hit a lot of walk in, walk out. Right downtown in Philadelphia is a place called Reading Terminal. It is legit an indoor marketplace with stalls with ice creameries and sandwich places and ramen places and all this food. You walk up to the counter, order your food, they give you your food, and you go somewhere else to sit and eat. And there's seating in the market terminal, but there's not a lot. So a lot of times you go in there, you get all your delicious foods, your friends all spread out, get all the food you want, and then you go back and find a table at the convention center and enjoy your food. And it's just a really, really good scene. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's, I really liked it. I really, really liked it. Just to talk real quick. I interviewed a bunch of people. We interviewed Bruce Vogue over at North Star Games, uh, Mike Hayes over at Weave Society. Mm-hmm. Mike Hayes, funny little tidbit, started the PAX conventions. He was, he was working what? at Penny Arcade. It was part of the team that got the PAX convention started. So he like also gave me tidbits on how PAX works and how awesome that you were able to get time with these people too yeah i mean i know we're not critical role we're kind of right behind them you know we're right behind right behind in that in that we all live on the same planet and they're over there yeah okay but how great that they were making time to talk to people and making time to talk to people that are up and comers and talking to people that have a a love for what they're doing and a passion they made that time to chat with you. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And, and I really thank them all for their time and, and energy there. I got to interview some folks over at Artel Story and Games about Cyberpunk Red and all of that great stuff. I think that one we're probably going to condense and, and give information out of that interview because the room we were in was very echoey and it doesn't like sound great. And right. I'm a snob about audio quality. Um, and then I also got to go to this really cool Dear panel. listener. Uh, He is a huge snob about audio quality. (laughs) I just want you to know sometimes when I'm recording, I F my audio up on purpose just to mess with Dave. Yes. Another one of the folklore things coming out in a podcast. Back to you, Dave. My world is rocked. I think he's (laughs) mad. That's not okay. (laughs) I have started at least muting as I vape. Have you noticed that <laughs> Which in like the past couple episodes? I, I have noticed. I and have I've, noticed. And I, I love you for that. Thank you. Because Rich. people, it used to be like this. <sighs> and Dave would, I know, be doing editing and be like, damn it, Rich. I got to take that out again. You got to leave that one in. Yeah, that one stays. And then we also got to go, or I went to a panel, Kelly and I went to a panel for queer narratives and RPGs. When we had... Diana on talking about Mordheim. She was in that panel talking about queer narratives, and it was really, really good. Demigods podcast, which is an actual play podcast. Right. They, I, I, I recorded it, gave it to them. They've hosted it. I'll link it in the show notes. A Excellent. really, really great panel. It was, hey, I just, I learned so much. Can I digress? Yes. I, got, I had to leave the um, D&D thing. That was all the gatekeepers I talked about like episodes ago. Oh yeah! So remember, you were in those Facebook groups full of it like, was like totally like about basic and original D and D, and I and I didn't want to release the name because I wasn't necessarily saying 
beautiful things about them because they were yeah. gatekeeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were being they were being asshats. Yeah, yeah. So finally, something got posted that was about Star Wars and had a feminine thing that a lady might use by herself in her bedroom oh. kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was like Obi-Wan handing it to Luke going, this is your mother's. And I, I just, they'd been gatekeeping so much on people. I actually posted, wow, where's the moderators? This has nothing to do with D&D. It has nothing to do with basic or AD&D, right? I unleashed the beast on me because you know oh, what? Humor's yeah. all okay when it's you doing it. Yeah. But when it's someone that's not old, you know, someone who's not OG, yeah. someone who's not a gatekeeper making a new joke, it's not funny. And those people get slammed. They make their own yeah. jokes. I bring it up. I started yep. getting the moderator jumping on me, talking about, um, <gasps> oh, it's just a funny meme. And I I have oh, my eye yeah. out for people that are yeah. offended or babies. And I was like, bro, I never said I was oh. offended. Never said yeah. I was a baby. And next yep. thing you know, it turned into like two or three people dogpiling me. And I was, I took the high road, Dave. You know I can go low road. You oh, know yeah. I can go low road. You've wow. seen my Facebook flames. Oh, yeah. And I took high road and said, listen, dudes, I'm out. Y'all need to grow up and, and yeah. bounce. But yeah, I finally wore my welcome out in the gatekeeper community because, dude, that's not me. I've worried about being a gatekeeper before. It's not me. I am not that well, guy. I, I think it's also helpful for folks to know which communities to avoid. Would you be comfortable sharing the name of that Facebook group? Oh yeah, dude. It was, it was, it was old school Dungeons and Dragons. They were a private okay. Facebook group. You have to like answer some D and D question to get in there. I just didn't want to sell them out, but dude, I'm okay. I mean, dude, I, I they, they're just a bunch of jerks and I, I called yeah. them out on their own shit where they bust other people for not posting stuff, but they post some stuff that's yep. not that and mildly offensive, right? Just, just on yeah, the Yeah, I mean, I would call that pretty damn defensive. Yeah. yeah like, I, um, good on you for calling that out and um, just just letting their own, like, hypocrisy. Right. Just just Seep. sail that ship right down the river. Seep yeah. it out. It seeped out. I wish I would have kept the conversation so you could have seen it. I should have been oh, screen yeah. capturing it because oh, yeah. I was very well behaved. And I was out drinking that night. So I really had to be behaved on my responses. Nice. But, you know, that's, al that's always a sign when someone says, you know, I keep my eye out for crybabies. Yeah. And this came up because you were talking about that queer panel, right? And yeah. That, and that's just yeah. what they call it, right? And yep. that was where I know that type of a panel would not be accepted in that group from some other postings right. of, I think, early, I'm going to call them younger players just because they're not old like me, but mm. they have a different point of view about D&D. &D. It, it has a more sexual element. It has a more um, fluidity. I'm going to use that gender fluidity term, right? Mm. That they're, 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 their characters can be whatever they want them to be. Right. They can match them or they could be a totally different gender fluid. They could be living a different idea through that character. Right. And um, there's another one that I like called All Things D&D. &D, and it is full of that idea. Oh, right? cool. And man, the people Very are fun. Cool. They laugh. They joke about things. I just see a different attitude. So I, I was kind of disappointed awesome. in my old school Dungeons and Dragons group. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you dropped a good one. So all things D&D, &D, great, great community to be a, yes. to be a part of. Are you in of. that that's, one also? No, I need to be. I'll, I'll join it. I'll join it. Yeah, tonight, they so. do a lot of really funny stuff. That's Again, awesome. that's maybe why one time in one of our podcasts asked about, why are bards so sexual? Because there's so <laughs> many sexual bard comments in there. I don't get it. I don't know why bards are so sexual, but I love playing bards and I'm, yeah. I'm kind of a sexual guy, Dave. So it's okay. <laughs> I've noticed. Yeah. More than once. It's the, uh, yeah. So that panel was phenomenal. It was, I learned so much. I recommend anybody who is even mildly curious, go to Demigod's podcast, give it a download, give it a listen. You will be thoroughly informed. And if, and if you already know all these things, you will be cheering for all of the stuff that they say, because it is really, really good stuff. Um, very helpful, very informative. So I, those are all the like big things that I did. And then I got to play a lot of games. And I loved that about this because this was about Shara and me and Kelly going to dealers, sitting down and playing their games and getting a rundown on how each of their games work. 
right? Oh my God. And if it, I had two people, so good. I would love to go play games with Kelly Dude. and Shara top of my list. Yeah, they were, they were great. They were great. And we met some wonderful people from some really interesting communities in this area. I'm, you know, keeping in contact with all of them and, and trying to see if I can't like work something out and, and do a, do some shows with them in the future, just because it was a really great scene. I think top of the list that we got to see and play at PAX Unplugged was Oceans by North Star Games. Oh. That was, that was really Really interesting. Bruce Vogue and I talk a lot about it in the interview, so you're gonna you're gonna hear some deep dive into oceans in that interview coming up. But when we sat down to play it, really Shara and Kelly got to play because there were so many people that wanted to play. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna bow out. Let these two folks play with you, and you two tell me how it goes. I got to watch some of it. Yeah, oceans is it is not an expansion to evolution. It is its own standalone game because creatures in the ocean really can't interact with creatures on the land very often. Not enough for you to make a board game out of it. But it's also a really great update into the concept because some of the weaknesses of evolution, like the uh, ability for players to dogpile onto one player, the ability for you you to kind of lose it all in one turn and never be able to claw your way back, that can happen in evolution – that's not in oceans. In oceans, your little creatures that you're taking care of, they can only cease to exist on your turn. So you always have a chance to save them. And there's a lot of really neat mechanics when all of the fish in the reef move out into deeper and deeper water and then finally into the deep. Uh, just a really, really interesting game. Uh, models a lot of science. They've got, you know, the, the rainbow shrimp the the one that cavitates water is one of the uh, uh, trait cards you can get. They've got all these you know fantastic trait cards in the deep side. Just a really neat approach to that game, and I I loved it. I got to see it played. I got to play like one turn of it, and I cannot wait to get my hands on Oceans. Dude, I need to look this up. I've never heard of this game before. So they kickstarted it. I think the earliest kickstarters are getting their copies now with other folks getting their stuff soon. And then retail stores is, are probably going to get it in like February or March. Oh, so I'm going to give them brief, big props. Um, they were not selling this at the con. No, just letting so people play. That was that to me is a really big thing on Kickstarter. You know what I mean? You make a promise to the people, and you don't make a promise, right? But let's just say it's an unwritten promise that right. you, they've they've supported you to support getting the game out, right? Right. The best thing you can do is make sure it's in all their hands before randos can pick it up. Yeah. And, you know, Bruce goes into some of the logistics of this stuff, and that interview is going to be really good. Just talking about the story of Oceans and all of that stuff. I'm going to leave all that for the interview. But okay. I really loved the game. It was a lot of fun. Shar and I got to sit down and play Pandemic Rapid Response what? at at the convention by Z-Man Games. Really fun. We sat down with the coolest couple. They were so neat. And our moderator, the woman running the game for us, she was awesome. Just a great people experience. Really made the game, honestly, better. Rapid Response is a dice game. So every turn, you're rolling up to six dice to try and make various machines work while you're flying on a, you know, curing plane on a medical plane to all these different destinations to drop off medicine and water and supplies and stuff like that. And there's a lot of ways to lose the game. The thing about rapid response is that it's a timed game. There's a sand timer. And so, you know, whereas in pandemic, you have all this time to sit and strategize and rich, you kind of lose your agency because we've talked about what you're going to do in your turn. Yep. Rapid response, uh-uh, you ain't got that kind of time. So while I'm taking my turn, I just got to take my turn. If we sit there and talk about it, we're going to lose. So it's a it's an interesting way to solve the problem that Pandemic has typically run into where players tell other players how to play. You just don't have the time for that discussion. You just got to do it. Interesting right? that it's almost like they listen to the world talk about yeah. alpha gamers in the game telling everybody what to do. And they said, guess yeah. what? We're going to fix that for you. 
Yeah. And we really liked it. Shar uh, and I got to play it at the convention. I've since bought it from Target. And Kelly and I played it several times over the holidays. It's fun. If you like a dice roller, it's a dice roller worker placement type game. You're placing the dice onto the tasks you want to have Would accomplished. Would that be like Roll for the Galaxy? If, it, if Roll for the Galaxy had a sand timer. You gotta have that time element putting the pressure on you. Yeah, otherwise it's way too easy. Without the time element, it's just a very basic puzzle to okay. solve. The real challenge is can you communicate effectively and quickly so that you're all getting your stuff done because you're always under time pressure. You're never a not under time pressure. XCOM? Yeah, but again, mm. get rid of the strategy step. You never oh, have right. time to just talk. God. I can't wait yeah. to try this, dude. I'm going to have to do yeah, this at Origins or Gen Con. It's high stakes. Oh, will it be a pack south? I hope so. I, I just, just fair warning for gamers that like to sit and strategize. Rapid response is not that. If you're a go with your gut Ooh, type player, me. rapid response. I is like to you. watch the world burn, and I don't <laughs> care what happens to my decisions after I've made them. <laughs> yeah. So got to play that. Really fun. Cool. Of course. You know, it's Z-Man, so the production is great. The box right. art is great. You know, just the quality all around is really good. So um, I, I'm i curious if they're going to do expansions. I can see some room for some expansions for that game, but it kind of doesn't need it, you know? Like, it has the room for it, but I don't think it needs an expansion. I wouldn't be upset if one if one showed up, though. Good. That's a nice feeling when you play a game and you go, I want to do that a different way or I want it to grow. Yeah. To talk real quick about the dealer hall... Oh, so spacious, dude. What? Just nice wide dealer hall floor. You could, you could, through every aisle, you could have two people like in wheelchairs and people walking and it would have been no problem. How about people with those big backpacks that hold games? Dude, big, didn't even notice them. Didn't even notice huge? them because I had all the room in the world in oh the dealer God. hall. Oh my God. Like, you mean so we don't have to have whole threads where people just like get crazy <laughs> bent out of shape about people with the backpacks on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. Like they had so much breathing room in the dealer hall. It just felt like a breeze. Now you're walking on concrete the entire time. Sure. They don't put the like carpet down and all right. that stuff. But, oh, so nice. I just, it, I felt I'd never had anxiety there. I never had like that moment of like, fuck, I got to get out of here. <laughs> you know, I never had that at, at the dealer hall. And they still had tons of dealers. Tons of people were there. They just made lots of room between all the stalls. I also want to mention that PAX does this kind of funky thing. PAX doesn't have quote unquote staff. Like Gen Con has staff, you know, people wearing staff shirts walking around. And then other people will wear security shirts at Gen Con. That's not how PAX does it. Everybody is quote unquote an enforcer. So you'll see all these people in enforcer shirts and it kind of gives you this sense that, hey, security is right here. No, it's just a staff member gotcha. <laughs> wearing a shirt that makes them sound like strong, built like bull. But they are very helpful and they are everywhere. And if you need security, they can get you security. But I noticed there was this like mental trick that I was playing with myself. I was like, oh, man, look at all the security everywhere. It's like, wait, wait, no. These are just staff members. None of these guys or gals are like security unless a security person shows up. But it, there was a, an extra layer, a sense of safety that came along with that, uh, that everybody's wearing shirts that said enforcers on them. Um, I'll just a little security theater, if uh, if you will. Uh, Enforcer. Yeah. <laughs> They're like dread, Judge Dredd, but like really nice. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> If Batman wore a purple shirt and had the goofiest grin on his face, <laughs> that's I'm enforcer. Batman. That's what they should be all like. I'm the enforcer. <laughs> hey, Zachary. Uh, and of course, I swung by the good folks at Artel Sorian in their booth. Yeah. Um, got to see Jay, got to talk to Cody real quick, got to talk with some of the other folks behind the scenes over at Artel Sorian, like uh, James and all those guys. Really great bunch of folks. By the way, I don't see Artel Sorian Games down for PAX South, by the way. Well, PAX South is a primarily a video game convention, yeah. but Artel Sorian is providing us a ton of giveaways at PAX South. Oh my God, are you kidding me? 
Dude, they're giving away like Witcher stuff. I, they may be giving away I'm a stealing it kit. all. You're, I'm going to tell you we gave it away. Good luck. Send it to Good me. Luck. Do not send it to Scott. No, no, no. Scott already has it all. Man. Oh, he has the banner man. that we're going to hang up. He has all the giveaways. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. No, we 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 have we have contingencies for Rich. Okay, right. good. Good. You got to work around me because I would be like, oh, yeah, Dave, gave it away. Taking pictures yeah. with random people, putting it on Twitch, and then saying, look who won. And they have no idea what I'm talking oh my about. God. Hashtagging other people's names. All right. So, what else did you play? I got to play Cities and Skylines, the board game. Oh, yes. Tell me about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, the board That's game. That's on my list. Is really, really interesting. Have you ever played Cities and Skylines, the video game? No, but okay. it reminded me of Sim Tower and stuff along those lines. Go on. Yes, yes. So, so Cities and Skylines, the board game is by Cosmos, and it's a one to four player game. So there's a single player possibility with this game. And as you add more players, it's a cooperative resource management uh, worker placement game. Where you're placing neighborhoods and hospitals and industrial zones, workers on the map that are going to be producing, you know, revenue, but also population, also traffic, also trash, things that you need to manage. And so it's one of those things where you lay out a lot of stuff that has a positive and a negative impact. And you just got to, like, figure out the puzzle as you as a as a solo player or up to four friends, up to three friends, I should say, four total, kind of figure out how to use this game. And it's really neat because like the roads, you the playmat is a is a number of cards. And on the cards is like neighborhoods with little roads defining the borders of each neighborhood. And the neighborhood from one card could extend onto the second card that gets revealed later on. The districts of the city get revealed throughout play and those districts can expand how large zones are. And that has a huge impact on your placements. Let's say you have a bunch of houses in one area and there's a hospital that serves all the houses in quote unquote, the zone. Well, when the next district comes alive and if that zone extends onto the next card, well, you kind of want to place more houses in that area because the hospital is now impacting houses on both cards. Wow. And it was a really cute puzzle. It follows the game pretty well that it was all recognizable. And all of the neighborhoods and industrial zones, all this stuff, they're all shaped differently. So there really is a very much jigsaw puzzle type asset to this where it's like, I place this neighborhood, it has a certain shape. That means that some pl- things can be placed here next to it and other things can't. Because of how it's shaped. So just a really stinking neat game. Um, I got to play a little demo over at the Cosmos booth. I think, Rich, this is a game for you, man. Like, oh, yes. I probably wouldn't buy it for me because I don't want to, I don't have a lot of single player games. But I think this would be ideal for you because you'd play it single player. And then whenever you like roped your daughter into it or your son into it or your friends into it, if you have friends, I don't know. I don't have They friends. would get to play this too. <laughs> But yeah, super cute. And there's a card element, you know, Who some cards show up. You that, have shelfies. That changes. That's right. That's right. You That's have shelfies to play this game with. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I would play all of these games on our on our Twitch stream. I would play any one of these board games happily Sweet. on the Twitch stream. Well, so maybe not we, rapid response because of the time element. Oh, well, this but. isn't going to come out before Monday, so I need to yeah. edit that. Edit. Well, so it is worth mentioning, we are looking at starting restarting our board game night on Monday nights. So we have a little bit of interest now. If you're listening to this and want to join us on Monday night board game night, join the Facebook group, join the discord and let us know. You can't come on Twitch and you can't talk about sex and you can't cuss and you can't (laughs) sing songs from people that do songs and you can't say hello fresh 15 times because (laughs) we'll end up getting bumped. So just, I've broken all these rules and somehow we still have a Twitch. That's so right. Don't do That's that. That's right. That's right. That's right. Just do what I do, not what Rich does. <laughs> and you're good. So that was a really cute game. I I enjoyed it. I could see I could see a certain type of player, like especially the single, the the folk, the person who wants to play a game solo. Uh, I think that would be a really good game for that because it has a cool puzzle aspect to it. Genius Games. Shar and I went by to the Genius Games booth and they make games based on science. 
and their games were <gasps> more fun than whoa, I thought whoa, they'd be. Whoa, whoa, Were these the hydrogen games and the Adams yeah. game that I've been yeah. seeing at Madness? And unfortunately, yes. when I looked at those, they looked like they had a color element to them, so I passed on them. What do you think? Ooh, 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 ooh. They have a shape element to them. Ah. So the shapes do have colors. So there is the color See, aspect, I think that's but, what I saw. Yeah, Go on. Yeah, yeah. So the game we got to play, we played two periodic is one and that's the one you're talking about where it's just the periodic table in front of you and you have a little worker going around picking up specific elements on the board there are cards laid out that say place this element on this card and you get credit towards towards earning this card so it's a uh, what is that? It's a it's a worker pickup mechanic where you move the worker, they pick up the thing, and that earns you a point towards this card. You pick up all of the things on that card, so you run around to all the different elements, and voila, you have now made that material. It's yours. You get all the points for it. Anybody who had partially completed the card, they get some points for it. And you're spending mm. energy to make movements. It's it's a it's a good game. Does it sound a little bit like that planet game that we played? Like the yeah. first time we started playing some games, you introduced me to that, and we were doing like webcams and all yeah. this other shit. Remember that game? Yeah, yeah, eons or something like eons. that. Eons. Yes, yes. It's similar in that. Uh, well, what I'll say is that you are kind of playing your own game, but your game does have an impact on the other players. Because you can, you can, you know, get the scoop. You can beat them to the punch and earn the card for yourself. I enjoyed the game. I think that game would be awesome for someone who is like in high school chemistry and they need to learn the periodic table. Because you're running around on the periodic table. The periodic table is the board game. It's the board for the game. And you are literally running to gold and then running to copper and then running to xenon or whatever. And you got to you learn where everything is just by playing the game. Huh. And the the shape element is there's like a, a green card that has a specific shape to it. And all those green shapes are placed on the periodic table to help you know where to go to get that to get points towards that one card. And then there's a pink card that has a different shape. And those shapes are played out on the on the board. Some of those cards require fewer elements. Some of them require a lot of elements, and that changes how many how many points they're all worth. It's a neat game. Definitely something that has some replayability because the first time you play, unless you're like really good at picking up all the rules, you're probably going to miss one or two things. You're going to want to play again so that you now that you have everything picked up and you're and you're going to be playing it, you know, at at a higher level. But yeah, super cute. Are you talking about the Marvel periodic table? What is this periodic table you're talking about? Oh, the the chemistry periodic table, the table of elements. Did they copy Hydrogen. that from the Marvel periodic table? Yeah, but with science. It's with science, dude. Algebraic. Algebraic, yeah. The other game we got to play from Genius Games was Cytosis. And Cytosis is, is a board game based on how our cells work. Ooh. Making alcohols, making enzymes, using carbohydrates, using ATP energy, all of that stuff. It was a cute game. I bought it because it's it's really a factory game. You're you're investing resources to make your factory work, and other people can block you by rushing their factory steps in the way of your efforts. And it's really neat. Like, there's a couple of ways to get victory points towards the end because everything that you make goes to your victory point pool. If you make a lot of the same thing, you end up with extra points for making a lot of the same thing. So people can figure out, oh, Rich is going for the alcohol game. If I block him, I can stop him from making seven points instead of just three points or something like that. Well, I don't like this game all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they have a uh, two different boards. They flip it over if you're going to be playing with fewer players. The board is different. So it's it's one of those games where you have to have the right number of possible moves based on the number of players. But it's really good. Like I I enjoyed it. It's um still it's kind of like periodic in that they're trying very hard to be scientifically accurate. 
so that changes how some of the board game stuff works. And as a board game player, I was like, why did we go this way? Oh, this must be a biology thing. Oh. And sure enough, my wife is, you know, an awesome scientist. And she's like, yeah, that's how it works. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I need to hold on to these. My uh, little girl's going off to be a chemical engineer. So I need to hold on oh. to these so I can surprise her at Christmas. With some yeah. of these games. And we know she, she doesn't can... listen to the episode, so you'll be no. able to surprise her. No one in my with family listens. I can say so much crazy shit. None of them know. <laughs> and but I can surprise that with her for Christmas. So she can take that back and play with all her college chemical engineer friends. And they'll probably all Jones on the game. Or just be like, uh, really? We're playing this game. <laughs> uh dad, it's fake science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. but did Kelly so- like it now that I actually bring it up that way? Yeah, so we got to play it. I played that game with Shara at the convention. I bought it at the convention. Oh, and she's like and a scientist too, bro. Oh, dude, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she's like a totally doctor. engineering, yeah. like, yeah. smart girl. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's why I love playing games with him. Oh, the coolest thing happened. So we played Cytosis, right? Shara squarely beats me at Cytosis. And the person she's moderating like she, the game, she's so, she's so smart. The, the guy running the thing was like, does she normally beat you in games? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he like all the time bro oh my god a girl that wins <gasps> no no he no i'm he kidding was, that was no, a joke no, no. that yeah, was a joke he was actually was really good he was he was really good so yeah th- there were other games that i played but those were the memorable ones that really stuck with me and i i really enjoyed those games the cool thing about the pax approach the last thing I'll say is that they also had a first look area. So they had a proto room where you could go do proto alley stuff. They had a bunch of role playing rooms where you could role play. And then they had a first look area where a manufacturer brings out a game for the very first time. What? And you get to sit down and play it with the designer, with a a company representative, that kind of thing. And, or at least that's what I saw. I saw company representation when people were playing the game. Really So let's cool. draw a line between this. Proto Alley, to me, is yeah. I'm indie, I'm doing something, and I'm prototyping. First look yes. is I'm established company, and we've been developing this internally, and we yeah. want to have the developer play with you. Is that a good line? I think that somebody could be in Proto Alley. And then get further, they've made the thing. Right. And maybe okay. it's not for sale. Maybe it's for sale right now. And then they get to show it off in first look. So in first look, you're looking at a polished game that is either for sale or about to be Oh, for sale. 100%. That makes a difference. Yes. Yeah. Most yeah. of Proto Alleys, it's 3D printed. It's, it's cardboard um, pieces with, with hand-drawn stuff sleeves. on them. Sleeves. Yes. Yeah. It's the idea that I just printed this on my laser printer or my brother yeah inkjet and i've slipped it into yeah. a sleeve or i've super glued it or what do you call yes. the glue in the tube that everybody eats when they're young oh uh, elmer's elmer's yeah maybe they elmered it on yes god i love <laughs> elmer's glue i gotta paste, go get some paste. tomorrow kids who eat oh, paste paste yeah. is good <laughs> i was so you get through your day eater. i get it i'm hearing it but first look was an interesting area they also had a couple other things there at pax they had oh okay so I don't think a lot of conventions can do this, but one of the things that they did, and I actually took use of, they had a quiet room. Oh, nice. They had, you know, they have all this dealer hall stuff, all these open gaming stuff, tournaments being run for all these different games, uh, Ascension and all that stuff. And then they had, you know, Magic, of course, and they had a diversity room and they had panels and they had all this stuff. And then they had a quiet room where it was like a, a small ballroom and... You'd go in there and the lights were a little low and you could just kind of chill. And like, there was a moment where I was like, man, I'm just worn out. I just want to chill and not listen to people for a second. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a, an autism thing or anything like that. It's no, just, we're going to call that introvert alley. Yeah. 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 Introvert. Yeah. Great way to put it. So I just Dude, I love went it. in there, recharged for, you know, 15 minutes. Yeah. There were people sleeping, you know, there were people quietly playing a game where they didn't have to talk. Yeah, it was a really cool That's little room. nice. Yeah. I will say PAX, because they do a lot of lines, because, you know, you're not paying for events, you're just going to events, so there can be lines. They're very good at crowd control. They're very good at staging the line in one room and then moving everybody into the room. 
um, for like a big panel or something like that, or for a big tournament. So they had a lot of really good, just understanding of how to make a convention of their size work. And I know that a lot of our listeners haven't been to PAX Unplugged because it's a brand new convention. I really liked it. It might not be for everybody. I think it's really good. I think it's a really good thing to have in the marketplace of conventions because there's a need for that. And that doesn't replace, you know, Origins and Gen Con or Kubla Con or any of the other places. It's just a really nice addition to the gaming circuit, to the convention circuit. Dude, I can't wait to go to PAX South and report back on it. I think I'm going to have a totally different experience in the sense that, as you mentioned, it's maybe a little bit more video game related. Yeah. Um, But I have a feeling I'm going to get a lot of the same feel of what is PAX. Yeah. I do. I do. I think I am. Yeah. I can't wait to have the PAX South uh, discussion as well, just to talk about the gaming scene there. That's that's I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, well, those are all my things, man. That's all I really wanted to talk about. Dude. I know that we talked for a while on this one. We covered yeah. a lot of different topics, though. I didn't have a lot of random... I threw in a ton of randomness tonight. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of in a random mood. But Dude, it sounds it like good. a great that con. It was a really good... It was really awesome. I have nothing else yeah. to interject with. It has nothing to do with PAX Unplugged. So I'm kind of done. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we like sh- snuck in a little Facebook group, group review in the very center of this episode. <laughs> so anybody who's listening bitter is like, much? wait, what? Rich, are you bitter much? Um, all right. Well, cool. Everyone who's been listening this whole time, guys, thanks a ton for listening. As we said earlier, we love you. You're awesome. As always, have fun and play well. May all your roles be crit. Thanks for listening. If you like our style, please subscribe or rate, like the podcast within your app. It helps fellow listeners find us. We really appreciate it. So thank you. To join the community, you can find us on Twitter and Discord, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to get connected and join the fun. This episode is copyrighted by High Shelf Gaming LLC and is not cleared for broadcast or syndication without written approval. The music was provided by Lil Funky on YouTube and our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. Take care, friends. Thank you.